we've been looking forward to this and just really love your pastors. They're friends, and not only do we love them, we like them. I think Clayton's really funny. I just, I just can look at him and just laugh. And I, not, it's, it, it's not that you're funny looking. It's just, it's just the sense of humor that he has. And, uh, but uh, we are so thankful for the partnership that we have with you guys. And um, we believe that. Um, Acts 1.8, you know, we see the words of Jesus, the last words that were given um, before he left, before he ascended. And he told, told them to wait in Jerusalem. And then he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you'll be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. Mm-hmm. And from this, we see that the church has four target areas. Mm-hmm. Your Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost part of the earth. And I believe that it's not a individual callings of any particular church that just focuses on one of those. I believe as believers in churches, we need to be engaged in all four of those areas at the same time, simultaneously. Individually, we can't do it, right? We couldn't be a part of all those things, but we can be a part of a church like this church. And you guys are engaged in that ministry in Pakistan. And um, seeing wonderful fruit that's coming from that. So there's a harvest with that. But then also through your giving. Yeah. And um, we believe that there's this uh, impartation. And uh, especially on a day like today, that you're not limited um, by what God, what, what uh, we could give in and of ourselves, But that you can take an uh, impartation from the Holy Spirit of the gift and the things that we're a part of, and, and just know that um, this is a missions-minded church, and missions-minded, outward-focused churches are full of life. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get inward-focused, you start to die, mm-hmm. and uh, so through your giving and through your prayer and through the ministry that you guys are doing, um, you're outward-focused, so this is a, this is a river mm-hmm. here. Mm-hmm. This is a, a live place, amen, mm-hmm. and there's this fullness and and we just think you know whenever you're watering you will be watered and so thank god i that'd be the first thing you know if somebody's looking for a church are they outward focused and boy this is a great place if you're a visitor today you come to a good place amen Mm -hmm. praise god and uh so sue and i are are so honored to be with you and to have a uh here a time with you on a sunday morning what a blessing. And, and uh, to have the body, the church, the family together to share some things corporately. Um, we're so thankful and we believe that God is going to have a message for you that's going to inspire you mm-hmm. and uh, individually, but then also as a church. Amen. Mm-hmm. This is my beautiful wife, Sue. Can you tell I just really married up? I mean, if you put us together, you, know, <laughs> you go, wow, he really married up. You know, Brother Copeland he talked to me one time. He spoke to me. You know Brother Copeland, right? You guys know? And um, so he, he actually said something to me, which was amazing to me, you know. And we were, he had to walk by us, and um, he gave Sue a hug and a kiss and, and was really warm to her. And then he looked over at me. He goes, well, you really married up. <laughs> so I said, 
that's the only thing he's ever said to me. So, <laughs> so um, praise God. We have some things that we just want to share um, about what we've been a part of, and then um, some things I believe that will encourage you today. And uh, Sue's got some things she's going to share. Amen. Well, first of all, I want to say again, we just love you guys so much. Love your pastors and love you. When we come, we feel like we're home. And uh, that's so nice to feel like that. We don't always feel like that, even though we are in the body of Christ in churches all over the place. Um, it's, it's, and we are all a part of each other wherever we go, but we feel home here. And so thank you guys. That ministers to us and blesses us too. But we are a part of one another. And so, um, yeah, you guys have a part in that. And so we're so grateful that God has specific calls. And, and a lot of people would go, thank God that I'm not called to go. And we're glad to help you go. But we need that partnership. And so we're so grateful, not just the finances to go, but the prayer partnership to go. Because uh, lately, the Lord has been having us go in places that I never dreamed. And um, you're going to Pakistan via video, which is really safe. <laughs> but we go in country. And, um, you know, there are countries that are hostile to the gospel and countries that are what we call our last frontiers because they have been um, uh, ruled by um, principalities and powers of darkness for thousands of years. And they are uh, places that uh, Hinduism, um, Buddhism, uh, Islam, uh, communism are thriving. And But God is moving. And so we're excited to share what God is doing in these countries. And I want to just encourage you, um, what an awesome church, you guys, you have the, the word preached in truth and with boldness and love, um, the Father's heart for people and to extend his kingdom, um, wonderful worship, just really, really wonderful. So we're so proud of you and for what you guys are doing here in this area and extending God's kingdom. And uh, so keep on keeping on. <laughs> Amen. Um, so I, I want to, before I just give you some stats on what we've been up to and what you're a part of, I want to encourage you with Matthew 24. And you think if you know that, that chapter, you think, oh, there's a lot of not encouraging stuff in there about Jesus. Jesus is talking about the future. And we see it so before us that the days do not look great, that there's wars and rumors of wars and famines and all sorts of not great things going on in the world today. And boy, the last three years have really changed from what we've known. And that can be disheartening. Um, but I want to encourage you today because God has great things. Um, I think, you know, as you read through that whole chapter in 24, I won't take the time to read the whole thing, but I encourage you to do it. Um, it talks about uh, that people will turn away and be away from God that, that loved God. And maybe some of you know people like that. And it's a little shocking to see and, um, and it says that the, the love of the great body, talking about the body of Christ, love will wax cold because of the multitude's sin and lawlessness. And I want you all to say, not me. 
say it again, not me. <laughs> I just love that the name of your church is Passion Church because that is, we got to keep the passion, uh, the fire of God going on. And you guys are doing it. So I, as we were driving in this morning, I saw your beautiful sign and the, the flags. And we were like, yeah. <laughs> it just is like speaks just life for people that are, are driving by and they see that passion, God's passion. You guys are filled with passion for him and for his passion for others. Amen? And so we want to keep that passion going. When I read this years ago, I always saw that as a warning. Don't let that happen. Don't let your love for him and for others wax cold. And so um, it's in there and we're seeing it, but not us. Amen? And then we're going to help and throw those life preservers to those that have slipped away and and bring them back in. I am so excited. How many of you saw the Jesus Revolution? And how many of you watched The Chosen? <laughs> I believe that they are time timely um, orchestrated by the Holy Spirit for the days that we're in. Uh, we were in, we've been in seven different nations in the last seven months. <laughs> so we're not feeling tired yet, but sometimes we're feeling a little tired when you do all that time change and travel change. But we were in a meeting in Zurich, Switzerland, and um, there was a pastor there in his 70s that was, he started in the Jesus movement in Europe. And he ended up planting a church in Munich. He's actually an American-Italian that went over to Europe in, during the Jesus movement. What's so cool about this movie is that not only is it inspirational, but that we learned a little history, church history. And um, that move of God was not just in the U.S., that move of God was actually global. I didn't realize that until I had watched the movie and I was, I was putting the dates together in my mind about the move of God that we've seen in Nepal and many coming to Christ and, and in Europe. And it was about that same time. And so we are due for another big move of God. But when we were in this meeting in Zurich, it was so encouraging. This pastor got up, who's been in, in Europe now since the Jesus movement, obedient to God, um, ministering all over there. And he was sharing about that time when he had gone as a young man. And um, he said, I am feeling these same feelings that I felt when that move years ago started. He goes, I haven't felt like this since then. And so we're hearing stuff like that everywhere we go. You can, a move of God is happening. And we have the scripture here to, to um, validate that. We know it's coming. We know Jesus is coming back. Um, and so we want to just keep that big picture and perspective of why we're here, that we have a job to do while we're here. Heaven is real. We have seen many go on. We just had Jen's mom go on and is now included in the cloud of witnesses along with many others cheering us on. Amen? So eternity is a long time and is awaiting, 
but we have a job to do while we are here on the earth. And so everybody can be a part by giving, by praying, by being a part of God's heart, amen, and his passion for souls here, there, and everywhere, all around the world. And so that is Matthew 24, 14 is our finish line, is our goal, amen, and we can keep about that in those ways. Uh, Matthew 24, 14 says, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the world, the whole world, so that all nations hear it and then the end will come. I love the, I think it's the Passion Translation that says that um, the power of God will be witnessed or demonstrated in every nation. There will be a witness of God's miraculous power and goodness in every nation. And if you remember the last time we were here, we talk about this scripture a lot. This is like our, our main theme scripture for what God is having us do, is that nations in the Greek were, is ethnos, which means people groups. And so it's not just, um, it's not just geographical boundaries that show a nation in the world, it's people groups. For instance, Nepal is one nation, but it has over 260 different people groups, unique, over 100 different languages. And so um, that is what we're looking at. And so can we put on the screen? Um, yeah. So just to, to, for those of you maybe, uh, are any of you, is this your first time seeing Scott and I here? Okay, we'll, we'll just give you a, a quick flyover. We um, pastored here in Wisconsin for about 17 years. We did missions before that. God called us back to do missions. This is Scott's dad. Um, that other picture was his dad, who started uh, Beerman Ministries' Mission of Life. He was a pastor for 35 years, and then he retired and refired into missions, and God had opened the door of uh, fruitful ministry in Nepal and other places in the world. And he asked us a couple years ago to take over um, his missions organization, and we just had a yes from the Lord right away. We knew that was what the Lord wanted us to do. And so that's us, of course. Go ahead and go on to the next slide. Well, I just want to give you an update. You can go ahead and, yeah, next slide. There you go. So this is a few little pictures of some of our medical missions and our trainings that we do in Nepal. Um, we take teams, and uh, the Lord has given us strategy, 2 Timothy 2.2, to train up the indigenous people there, the believers there, and multiply the workers to advance his kingdom there. So they're making missionary teams that they are funding themselves with their own churches. Um, you know, sometimes you go into these countries, they don't have a lot of money, um, but we do them a disservice when we don't teach them the ways of God's kingdom prosperity. And so they are growing, they are prospering, they are raising up their own missionaries and sending them out um, in groups which they are doing so much more than just Scott and I could do, which is, God's so smart, isn't he? <laughs> and we have so much fun training them and sending them out. We're constantly getting pictures on WhatsApp 
of um, when they go into villages and share the gospel and um, they water baptize right away. So they're evangelizing and then um, water baptizing and then planting churches in these new areas, areas that have never heard the gospel before. Isn't that exciting? So, I mean, monthly we get reports from these guys. We probably have about 12 guys in Nepal that go out and do um, different uh, targets of unreached people groups. Some of them have been working with orality because you have a lot of um, the tribal people that don't read, and, and so they do it by storytelling. And so it's really wonderful work. Go ahead and go to the next. Uh, so the Lord put on our heart eight years ago. Um, he connected us with a, a man, a divine appointment, Dr. Howard Foltz, who just downloaded to us um, the Father's heart for those that have never heard the gospel. So unreached people groups would be in areas that are hostile to the gospel, that um, don't have any access, so they could live their whole life without ever knowing a Christian, hearing about Christianity, uh, and so those people, who, who is going to go to those people? You know, we, we always ask everybody at the church, who's responsible to take the gospel to those people that have no access? Who? Anybody want to give me an answer? <laughs> you can just take your finger and go like this. Go, I am in some form or another by praying, by helping to send. So we all need to be aware of where we are on God's timetable. Go ahead and go to the next. So there's estimated 50,000 people, unreached people that die every day without having any contact with a Christian. There are 7.9, almost 8 uh, billion people worldwide, what is that, of, of unreached people groups? Is that what that number is, honey? And, oh, I know that. <laughs> you know what, that we actually hit the 8 billion mark already. There is 8 billion people alive on the earth today. 8 billion. Less than 200 years ago, we hit 1 billion for the first time in history of the world. So we, are, we have the biggest harvest that ever was is in front of us now. Okay, 8 billion people, and then out of that 8 billion is three, about 3 billion people um, that are, are in this unreached people group. Go ahead and go to the next slide. So, so see this map here with all the, the red is uh, where the majority... I don't know if some, some of the stats change a little bit because there's work going on. But uh, the last one that I had read, there's 86% of the unreached people uh, live in that area of the world. And go ahead and go to the next one. And unreached, we categorize that by saying that less than 2% of that people group are believers. Usually it's zero but anywhere from 0 to 2% would be considered unreached. Uh, we don't feel that below that number that they have enough to evangelize themselves, so that's why we keep them in the red category. And this is my favorite map here. So this is showing the 1040 window, which gets its name by where it is on the map. So 10 degrees above the equator to 40 degrees above the equator. And we see from... Um, 
Western Africa all the way to Japan in this big rectangle. And that's where 86% of unreached people groups live. And it's because of the darkness that they've been under. But praise the Lord that God is greater and he has conquered the enemy and that we can go in and bring the gospel and the light. Okay, go ahead and go to the next one. Uh, <clears throat> okay, this one says 83% of the world's unreached uh, population live in this world. 80% of the poorest of poor live in this area. Why? Because they don't have the light. 82% with the lowest quality of life. And the next one. Uh, okay, so this one is really good to have and just kind of see the numbers that there are 17, over 17,000 unique people groups in the world today. 17,000. Unreached people groups are 7,425. Um, percent of unreached people groups is 42.5%. The population is 8, uh, 8 billion now, and population in the unreached is 336 7 billion. Now, this is really an interesting chart, and this is why the church needs to know where we're at. All missions is good, no matter where people are going to help people and to bring the gospel. We need it everywhere, right? But, so we've seen a deficiency in, in missions work. So, um, what does that say? 95 point, whatever, ni about 96 percent of all the um, Christian workers go to places that already have the gospel. Now, that doesn't mean we should take away. We, we need them there. But look at the, 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 the little yellow pie piece. Only 2 to 5% minister among the unreached people groups, the place of the greatest need. We have very small amount of people working in that area um, in comparison with the other. So we need, we need to just... Go, okay, we see a deficiency there, church. Let's work together so we can get the job done. Amen? We actually have the resources that if we would make it our focus, we could get it done pretty quick. There are, um, out of that 17,000 unique people groups, uh, we have 7,000 yet to reach. And, uh, and now we have many Christian workers in these areas, the indigenous people, that can help get the work done. Um, okay, so this is just a picture of a little girl at one of our medical outreaches there in Nepal. We were, uh, is that Turkey up there? Yeah, I see the Turkish flag. Um, you know, whenever there's disaster, it's such a good time for the church to go in and show the love of God and the help. So we had lots of teams going into Turkey, helping and ministering the love of God to those people in that need. And um, go back to that last slide, and then we'll just finish with this, is uh, Brother Robbie Rye down at the bottom. Scott was doing some trainings on church planting with him last December, and he kept calling me up saying, Robbie's really tired. We've worked with Robbie for 25 years. He's, we've gone all over Nepal with him. He's really a, a circuit preacher and um, just knows believers Every, all, probably all the believers in Nepal, and um, just such a, a, an apostle, and just love him so much. So he, Scott called me, and he said, pray for Robbie. He's just so tired. He's just so tired. So 
they came back from their training and he said, we're gonna rest and then we'll go and do our next week's training. Well, Robbie decided to go to heaven. <laughs> and so he's there, but you know what's interesting is that he got everything sorted before he left. All the batons handed off to all his guys that he's been training for years, and they're, they're just taking over and, and continuing the work and continuing to multiply it. And so he's one of, one of those that is cheering us on as we're here on the earth. And then soon we will all be together again. Amen. But until then, let's bring the prize of souls uh, into the kingdom. Amen. And, and have God's heart and his passion. So that's just the stats. Um, as Clayton said, we're off to Morocco and Turkey this fall and, um, and Croatia. And so pray for us, for stamina, for open doors <laughs> and all that. And so thank you again. We love you guys. All right. Praise God. Um, do you guys remember, uh, it was a movement of missions, um, it was called uh, AD 2000. Do you guys you remember that? A lot of things came from that. Um, we had the Choir of the Fire, remember, Choir of the Fire, and what was the youth that would go all over? Yeah, um, you remember that? I mean, there were missionary, or missions teams, youth mission teams, 6,000 kids a summer would be going teen mania and uh, they would they were going all over the world um, just all over and there was more um, importantly I think from all of that that was stuff that probably came from prayer but people were mobilized to pray and so churches all over the world began to pray and what were they praying they were praying for this 1040 window they were praying for these people that have not even heard the gospel. If you could imagine being in a part of the world where you, there's no Bible, there's no pastor, there's no church. Um, somebody could live their whole life and not even meet a Christian. Never even hear the name of Jesus. And never, if even some people who may have heard of Jesus know him in the wrong context. They just think he was a prophet. They've never heard the gospel. And um, so... You know, there's people that live in parts of the world you would not want to live there um, unless God told you to go there and live there, you know, to be a missionary. But um, what happened in that AD 2000 was um, there was such a, a impact from that prayer and from people sending missionaries. We know of people that, that uh, man, they uprooted their ministries, they went and lived in other countries. It was just like this, wow, everybody was doing it, that we knew it was this interesting, but it was something that wasn't just denominational, it wasn't just certain groups, it was seemed like this was something the body of Christ was doing. And um, about that time, uh, there were about, uh, let me see, what was it, 14,000 unreached people groups and now that number has been cut down to about 7,000. And so can you see what prayer does? I mean, what, what takes place when we, when we begin to pray, people's hearts are responsive to the callings that are on their life for the Great Commission. Uh, whether that's to be at home in your Jerusalem or to be in the uttermost part of the earth, people are, 
they're, in, they're heightened. They're sensitive to the voice of God in this. And um, so we saw such a great move and a move towards um, uh, this, these unreached people groups getting reached. And um, you know what? I, I hate to say it, but um, we have, as we've looked into the trends of missions and um, our thrust as a country in the United States, our missions has started to go down quite for the first time. And so um, we need to bump that up again. And what do we do? Well, I appreciate that this place is a place of prayer. That's where it happens. Amen. So we begin praying. Praying is the initial work of missions, but it's the ongoing work of missions. And so we need to pray. But then also, I think we need, like you're having a mission Sunday. Praise God. Amen. That's important. And I believe there could be people here who are called to missions. You're called to go to another country. You're called to, for cross-cultural ministry, which in our world today, we have pockets of people who have come from unreached areas who are living in Milwaukee. They're living in other parts of the country here. If we mobilize our churches here in the U.S. to be missions-minded churches, we, maybe it could be that God brought the harvest to us here in the U.S. to reach some of these people who have been unreached. Amen. Now they're in a country where they can be reached. Amen. They can hear the gospel, but we got to love them. We got to be mindful of them. Amen. And so um, anyway, one of the things that we wanted to do and um, uh, I wanted to just have an intensive for missions. And this one is super short notice. So I just want to share it with you. Maybe one of you guys would want to jump in on this, but it's the beginning of August. And what this mission intensive is, is we go through the Ames Harvest Connection um, as a, an impactful, foundational thing for a missions-minded. Somebody's called to missions. Somebody wants to be a missionary or cross-cultural ministry. And then we're going to do something really practical. We live in a beautiful place in Colorado. We live right in, you guys have been there, and uh, Jennifer's been there. And, um, but uh, we're going to put on backpacks. We're going to go up through the Rockies. We're going to go up and summit a 14,000-foot peak. And the reason we're going to do this is it's going to be a preparation for um, a missions, medical missions trip that we want to do next year. And I think anybody who goes through this, this thing with us will be a great candidate to be a part of our team. And uh, one of the things I'm really wanting to do is, is these kinds of things to help take people or give people a step to take in becoming and responding to the call that God has on, on their life. And so um, I really believe the content of this and that time could be very impacting. So if you know somebody that's called, uh, they submit, called to the nations, this will be an excellent thing. Even if they don't go with us to Nepal next year, this would be pretty cool. And um, so anyway, if you're interested in this, we don't have it. We just have them with us. So Come and see us, and we'll, we'll give one of these to you. It's got a QR code that has an application on it. Um, we're, and I know it's a short notice, but, hey, um, we'll just do it. We're going for it, and so we love that. Uh, we're kind of spontaneous people, and uh, so uh, we're, <laughs> praise God. So if you turn with me in your Bibles to Acts, the first chapter, and we made mention of this scripture before. Um, 
we uh, just as Sue had mentioned, we have been in um, s several countries in the last six, seven months now, and um, been to Nepal twice. Um, what we're doing is we're helping indigenous people plant churches. We're casting the vision. We're helping them, giving them um, practical tools and instruction and empowering them to plant churches. We need more churches. Amen? The proclamation of the gospel in Mark 16 is to, the target is to every creature. Every person needs to hear the gospel. Amen? But every nation needs to be discipled. In Matthew 28, 18, this is going to all the world and make disciples of every nation. And so the nations need to be discipled. And the best way somebody's going to be discipled is if they have a church and a pastor. Amen. They have a body. There's a, there's a body of believers. And uh, so people need churches. We need more churches here in Milwaukee. Amen. Um, we need to have, you know, it's, uh, there, there's a tremendous harvest. But uh, when we have, have embraced this, strategic missions, planting churches, you know what? It's exciting to see how people are responding to this in these areas. Churches are being planted, and um, people are responding. Why? It's not, it's not an organizational strategy or anything like that. It's the gospel. Amen? It's the word of God. Amen? Praise God. And we all must respond in obedience to the words of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Does the word of God just speak to some of us? No, it speaks to all of us. Amen? And... Um, so, you know, Jesus, he told us that we need to be a part of this, the Great Commission. Amen. And so um, let me just share a few things with you today. Would you say this with me before we get started? Say, I have power. Amen. I know that sometimes people will travel far and wide to go to certain meetings because, it, you know, um, somebody is a proven minister that has power. They, there's miracles that take place. And there's, there's things that take place that, you know, you, you're coming with such an expectation, these meetings, you know something's going to happen. But let me just tell you something. If you have the Holy Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit, you have power. Amen? And the power of the Holy Spirit needs to be something that not, is, not only is in you, but is upon you. Amen? And that's what I want to talk with you about today, is, is that you have power. You have power. Amen? And so, um, one of the things that, that happened in redemption was that through the death, burial, and the resurrection, and then Jesus saying, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit, is that... God, who is contained in the law and the things that, um, you know, that pertain to people's um, obedience to the law and, and through tradition and, and these things that the Jewish people always practice through prophets and through, you know, man and, and the establishments, the titles, um, through Jesus his presence was able to jump out of all of that and just jump right into the heart of anybody who would believe. Amen? So in you, there's power for the miraculous. 
It doesn't matter what kind of education you've had or what background you have or what your occupation is. The Holy Spirit on you will produce in you miracle-working power. Amen? And I'm talking about the overflow to other people. Amen? I'm not talking about just what He will do for you. What He wants to do through you to, for other people. Amen? And really, this is the heart of the Great Commission. This is great. the heart of missions, is what God does through us to other people, for other people. Amen? And so, in Acts 1.8, it says... The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them forty uh, during 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when he had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father had put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is such a powerful scripture. It would be to us to this extent that we need to know what it means for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Amen. We don't have to come up with the power. We just need to have the Holy Spirit come upon us. Amen? So that's our, our focus is the Holy Spirit. It's not the power. It's not what we got to have the power. In fact, it's so simple. It's, it's part of just our receiving in faith. Amen? You know, the Apostle Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God and to salvation to everyone who believes. Well, the gospel has power in it. Amen? Some people say, well, I need more power. I need more power. No, you just need more gospel. Amen? If you have more gospel, you have more power. Amen? And so the same is true for the Holy Spirit. If you're going to have, if you're saying, boy, that's a powerful service, what you're saying is that the Holy Spirit was there. Amen? Because He is the agent of that power. Amen. Jesus, uh, you know, he was, when, when he came, it was told of him uh, by John the Baptist, he says that Jesus would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with power. Jesus is the baptizer. Amen. And the agent is the Holy Spirit. We are baptized with the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, the Holy Spirit, he does a work in that he baptizes us into the body of Christ. Amen? So, here, they're asking him. They heard him say these things, and they said, wow, we're going to become a nation again. When are these things going to take place? He said, it's not about that. Listen, it's not about a timetable. It's not about a, a kingdom. In fact, it was 26 years of foreign denomination that 
Israel had. We know that it was 1948 that they became a nation again. But the Babylonian invasion and, you know, 2,600 years. 2,600 years. And, you know, um, so they were very much thinking about the political, the, the national thing that would be restored to them. But Jesus said, listen, it's not about that. It's about power. It's about power. And this power gives results. If you have the power, then you begin to see things. You begin to be a witness. And a witness is empowered to give a testimony. Amen? Do you want to be empowered to give a testimony? I do too. Amen? And I've seen things. I've seen some powerful things that God has done. Well, I'm a witness. God wants you to be a witness. I remember, you know, being with Jennifer's dad. We saw some pretty neat things, some pretty cool stuff, some miracles. Amen? What was that? That was the Holy Spirit. Amen? That wasn't us that did that. It wasn't our ability to do it. It wasn't our holiness. It wasn't all. No, it was the Holy Spirit. Amen? And we were witness to it. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we receive power. That power makes us have a reason, a purpose, a significance in the earth, and that is to be a witness. Amen? Now, thank God for Holy Ghost meetings. Amen? Don't you like those? Sometimes you get goosebumps on your arm that kind of shoots up back in back of your neck. You God's here, you know? Make you do the Holy Ghost shuffle. And, um, but you know, the Holy Spirit comes upon us for a purpose. Amen? And it's not for a religious expression. Like, oh, you're a part of that church that does, you, you express yourself this way. You know, and, and you, this is how it, you know, you're Pentecostal. And Pentecostals, you know Pentecostals. They're holy rollers. They're swinging from the chandeliers and, you know. No, it's for a purpose, to be a witness. It's always, Jesus came to seek and save that which is lost. When we're in line with his purpose, there's lost people. There's people that are hurt. There's people that are broken. And his design is that you will touch him. Amen. Thank God for church on Sunday. But you know what? You're the church that gets out places where Clayton and Jennifer can't go. Amen? You're meeting people that they may not ever meet. And the power of God isn't contained in this place. It's in you. Amen? Praise God. Amen. So we need to witness not only to the words of Jesus, but the doings of Jesus. Amen? Not just what was said, because we could give witness, open up the Bible. You know, there's a lot of relig- a lot of churches that they'll give witness to what Jesus said, but we need to be witnesses of his doings. Amen. And it's for it's it's not just for a moment. You know, some folks they say, Well, you know what, I've been confirmed. You know, I went through confirmation, you know, back in, you know, when I was 
however old and, you know, 30 years, 35 years ago. And then they'll say that about being filled with the Spirit. You get some people, Pentecostal folk, who were filled with the Spirit back 40 years ago. It's not that kind of experience. It needs to be an up-to-date, up-to-date, powerful, daily, up-to-the-moment event in our life where we're filled and being filled with the Holy Spirit. See, this is how the move of God accelerates. Amen? Power comes from the Greek word dunamis. You know where we get that, you know, dynamite. We live up in Colorado, lots of mountains, and you see how they carved out these highways through the Rockies. And it took some dynamite to do that. Power is not just a destructive thing when it comes against the the kingdom of darkness. Amen? In other words... We don't destroy other people, what God, you know, what God has established, what the things that God are doing. We're not destructive towards our brothers and sisters. We're destructive towards the kingdom of darkness and the mountains, the things that have been set up against as barriers and and things that come between us and the purpose of God. There's dynamite power that removes hindrances and barriers and mountains. Amen? So Jesus is our example. Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was the second Adam. Right? And the angel revealed it in Luke in the first chapter of Luke. I have that scripture if you want to catch up with me on that. Luke one thirty five. It says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. So Jesus was born of the Spirit, wasn't he? He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So if Jesus had the Holy Spirit, what happened 30 years later when he went down into the River Jordan and the voice came from heaven saying this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased and then John beheld and saw a, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove come down and land upon Jesus that was a pretty spectacular thing wouldn't you think but something happened in Jesus that changed things he had the spirit already right But now there was another experience that took place. And the Holy Spirit came and landed upon Jesus. Amen? What happened? Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. For God was with him. So what we see is that Jesus left us an example. Aren't you glad that he came to give us an example? The first thing, we need to be born of the Spirit. We need to be regenerated. And then we don't stop there. We need to be anointed. We need to have the Holy Spirit come upon us. Amen? 
Jesus after that experience of coming up out of the water. First thing he does, he goes, finds the place in the temple when he, it was his time to read. He found the scripture and he described what had happened. I heard that, you know, it was on a time slot, like, a, you know, your daily Bible. You have a certain assigned scriptures for each day. The time he was supposed to read this was the time that this was fulfilled. And he was able to say, you know, this has been fulfilled in your ears. What did he say? Luke 4.18 says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus was born of the Spirit into the earth. Yet at the age of 30, miracles started to take place. Signs. He started to preach. His public ministry was launched because he was anointed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So he leaves us this example. We need to be regenerated. You know, Titus 3, 5 says, It is not by works of righteousness that we have done, but it is according to his mercy. He saved us through washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever felt that when you were... Just that experience of being born again, that time of interacting with God, that silky feeling. Do you know what I'm talking about? You say, well, faith isn't about your feelings. I know. But I, I think the God who created us is not opposed. He created our feelings, right? It's okay. In fact, he connects with us a lot. Of, he wants us to be full of joy. Amen. He wants to reveal himself to all of our being. So you'll find that, that, that peace, that silky, clean, oh, even the most sinful person who's committed just heinous things, crimes, committed all kinds of sins. When they accept Jesus, he washes it all away. Amen. He washed my sin away. I'm so thankful. Amen. We need to be born of the Spirit. Amen. John 3. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You must be born again. Amen. And then we see that Jesus did this with the disciples. He breathed on them. <laughs> Received the Holy Spirit. Believe they were born again right there. Amen. This was before, you know, his ascension. They were born again, but then he says this, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. What we see here is that Jesus gives us a clear example. The thing about the Holy Spirit is not just about being born again, but it's also that we have an experience with the Holy Spirit that gives us power. In addition to that inward working of salvation, there is an anointing that comes on for ministry. Amen? We've heard the phrase, what God does in you, He wants to do through you. 
So Jesus said, wait until you be endued with power. And then what we see from Jesus is that he received that power and he says, listen, you're going to receive that same power. And what is that power going to do? Well, it's going to take you right to that fulfillment of Scripture that Jesus proclaimed of himself to heal the brokenhearted. There's going to be people that you and I are going to run into. They need healing. They need deliverance. They need the gospel preached to them. Amen? You might say, who, me? That's not my background. That's not my calling. That's not my education. You know what? Jesus take tax collectors and fishermen. He put his spirit in them. And then he anointed them. Amen. And they changed the world. There's world changers here. You're a world changer. Say this with me. I have got the power. Amen. So, many people believe that by receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, It's just a historical event. But today, you can be filled afresh and anew. Amen? If you haven't been filled with the Spirit, you can be. If you have, there is a, a new filling, a renewing, a refilling of the Spirit. Amen? And what do you do with that anointing? The same thing that Jesus did. Amen? You can heal the brokenhearted. Preach deliverance to the captives. Bring sight to the blind. Amen? This is the gospel. Amen? It's not for the, just the pastor, for the evangelist, for the apostle. Amen? It is for all who believe. Jesus said, those who believe... In my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak with new tongues. They will lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. Amen? That is the move of God. That is revival. Amen? Is when the church gets out, and the gospel is being shared. Amen? One of the things that I so appreciate about Pastor Ted was I, I just was able to watch a demonstration of the gospel being played out in this context. There were miracles. There were signs. A couple guys got healed right here in Milwaukee. And from that experience, he went right to the gospel. It wasn't just to impress them. It wasn't some, you know, supernatural show, you know. It wasn't some, some uh, display that would make people have awe of you. No, it was all... To bring people to the gospel. It was all to point people to what Christ has done. Amen. And I remember particularly there was, there was one situation where we had four young boys. Because of a miracle that touched a couple of them. They sat with their attention right on us in the midst of a whole lot of stuff that was going on. They didn't care about anything at that moment. All they cared about was hearing the gospel. 
And it was because of those miracles that took place. And those four boys accepted Christ as their Lord right there in that moment. Amen. We see that there's miracles, miracles that took place. They were pretty impressive. They were pretty cool. But the greatest miracle was that they received Jesus. Amen. They didn't have to get saved before they got the miracle. God wanted to touch him right then, right there. Amen. Praise God. So when we go to other countries, it's an expression of, you know, the the um, Samaria, different cultures, and the uttermost part of the earth. But you know what? Wherever we're at, we need to be a witness. That's in our Jerusalem, in our Judea. Amen. So, praise God. Aren't you thankful? I want to ask you a question then. Maybe you're here today and you've never been filled with the Spirit or as Jesus said, as wait until you be endued with power. You haven't, you you may have accepted Jesus, but you haven't had that an, that anointing, that filling with the Spirit. Is there anybody here today? Just raise your hands. We're in a Holy Ghost church. I think I think maybe y'all have been filled. Okay, yes, young lady. Anybody else? Anybody else? Okay, let me ask this question. Maybe you're here today. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior and, and received that regeneration, that Holy Spirit that comes in and makes you born again. Will you become a child of God? You accept Him as your Lord and Savior. Is there anybody here? You need to accept Jesus. Would you raise your hand? Anybody at all? Okay, young lady, okay. Would you please come, would you join me down here, please? Praise God. We're just going to pray for you, okay? That's wonderful that you're wanting to do this. Praise God. Praise God. Let's give her a hand. Praise God. Hi, what's your name? Mandy. What's that? Mandy. Mandy? Mm-hmm. All right, Mandy. She wants to recommit her life to the Lord. Father, we just thank you right now for this heart that is turning to you. Lord, you said, Lord, that there is repentance, there's forgiveness of sins, no matter what we've done. Lord, that when we confess Lord, that you're faithful and just to forgive us of all sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just thank you for Mandy right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. One of the, one of the things that happens when we confess Jesus, we, we confess him as Lord. So just say this. Just say, Jesus, I receive you as, your, as my Lord and Savior. I recommit my life to you right now. Amen. Amen. Now let's just go ahead and receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm just going to, as, as the scripture says, that they will lay hands on, on, and, on people and they will be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19.